1: Well hello everyone and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network and of course I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe and Manifest talk show and today I am broadcasting from simply beautiful, magnificent, I'm looking out of my window, a summertime day Atlanta, Georgia. So grateful that you made a decision to join me today from all over the world. And I want you to be in agreement with me. If you are listening to the show today, I believe that you've been attracted here to receive your aha moment, your download, your revelation, and just that one thing that you need uh, so that you can move and live in and vibrate in an abundant and purposeful life. How you doing today? Well, like I said, it is beautiful and summertime, and the living is easy. And they don't call it hot land for nothing, y'all. It is hot here in the ATL. <clears throat> but I'm really grateful. I have a powerful show for you. I want you to get ready for it. My very special guest is Dr. Patty Ashley. She's going to be talking to us about how to heal our past, how to move past shame, and then become the authentic architect of our own lives. Don't we need that? Yay. So But before that, I'm going to give you a quick success tip. I love doing this. And while I'm thinking about it, you can receive a lot of my two to five minute success tips on social media. Uh, You need to go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Constance Arnold, Think, Believe, and Manifest. Or you can go to Instagram, L O A Constance, or I do Facebook Live. a coach with Constance, I got that out, and get some of my success tips, all right, so let me tell you about my upcoming virtual success coaching seminar, I'm really excited about it, it's going to be on Saturday, July 17th, from 10 a.m. until 1230, Eastern Standard Time. So that means that all my international listeners, you can participate. And as y'all know, I'm only taking in five participants. Why? Because I really want you to receive my one-on-one signature coaching. Uh, You can ask me any question about your career or your business. Because I'm going to be teaching on do what you love and the money will eventually follow. It's a universal truth. So I'm going to be uh, teaching two groups um, on that day. Did I tell you the day? I think I did. If I did now, come back to it. Those of you who are in your career right now, you know, during these pandemic times, you know when something is working for you. You know when you feel like you're really using your talents, your skills, if you're bored, if you don't feel challenged. Then it might be time for a change. Or conversely, you may love your job, but you might just want to be promoted and to make more money. So, people with your career, this is what I'm going to be talking to you about. I'm going to be teaching you how to discover what your gifts and talents are, uh, how you can really identify your transferable skills such as leadership, supervision, planning. How can you transfer those skills to another company? and and get paid for it? Or how can you begin to identify if you decide that you want to stay with your company? How can you identify all of your accomplishments, uh, your expertise, package that package that and then develop a strategy so that you can get paid for what you are worth and so so whether you want to leave or whether you want to stay I'm gonna really give you some strategies to discover design and manifest a new career I've been there and done that when I left corporate America Okay, so my next group of people, all of you who want to start your online business or or maybe your own business. I know a lot of people are doing online now. I'm going to really talk to you about how can you really get clear about what your product services, what your niche and what your brand is, because we know that with changing times, you have to really align with what's working and what's needed. I know that the delivery business, Amazon, and delivery of food, that's big business. And you have to take a look at what the marketing trends are. Uh, You need to take a look at what the new paradigms are for the marketplace place i'm going to teach you how can you leverage your business on the internet if you don't have any money how can you begin to market your products goods and or services and i'm going to also really dig deep with you uh, as to how you can really do the inner work behind how you feel about money success and business because believe me you are your business. Whatever your beliefs are around your business, that's what's going to manifest. This is going to be a powerful day. It's virtual. It's only $99. Uh, You are worth that investment. 10 people. So, you just need to go to my website Uh, I already have, I don't know how many spaces I will have available uh, uh, after this airs, but uh, go to my website, fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And while you're on that website, I know that this show is and has been a blessing for you. I want you to make your donation, paying it for, you know, one of the best ways to get money to you or to, I, I call it, get that, that. A law of circulation happening when it comes to prosperity is to give, give whatever you have. So the interesting thing is, I'm cleaning out my closet again. Excuse me, I'm cleaning out my closet again, and I'm going to be giving away some of my designer clothes and shoes. And all of that stuff. Why? Because I'm keeping that law of circulation moving when it comes to prosperity. So I'm thanking you in advance for your donation. Uh, You can cash at me if you wish. Dollar sign Constance Arnold. No spaces. Or you can use PayPal. You're paying it for, for somebody else. Okay. So let me give you my success tip you know I did a Facebook live this week and um, I was doing it on how to really uh, get clear about what you want to do for the next 30 days and become intentional and somebody said I really would love to have a new car and I said back to her stop loving to have a new car and have it so I'm going to talk to you. I want you to think about maybe this one thing that you've been desiring and and I'm going to talk to you about living from the end or how to live in the vibration that you already have it. So think about that one thing that you really desire. Are you still praying for it or or, or wanting it or waiting for it? A lot of people say, well, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're not waiting on God because God has already done everything that he's going to do. So if you're still wanting prosperity, wanting love, yearning for a new career, then you are not living in the vibration of that you already have it. Remember, if you're in the vibration of wanting, you're going to stay in that vibration. So let me talk to you about how to live from the end. So remember, you're not trying to get anything. You have to believe that what you desire, that one desire that you already have is already yours and begin to think about it. Feel it and say it as if it was already yours because it is. So the Bible says when you pray, believe you receive and you have it. So when you are living in the vibration of I have it now, essentially you are assuming the feeling of I have it now. You, you feel it in your imagination, your language changes, I am healed, I am whole, I love my new car, I love my house. So you are assuming the state of or the consciousness of I have it now everybody get there so let me give you an example about one of the houses that I purchased some years ago it was a cute little cottage nestled in the woods but I was still living in my condo I saw it and I knew I wanted to purchase it but being a business owner I had to work out the terms so I asked the owner I said she was a flight attendant for Delta Airlines I said while you are flying because you would be gone for like three and four days i said is it okay if i if i come in and if you could leave the screen unlocked? let me give me some water because y'all need to hear this if you would leave the screen door unlocked can i come and just lie in the hammock and imagine that this house is mine She said, sure constance we became good friends and so I went on that front porch and I would lie in that hammock. This is my house. I'm going to be lying in the hammock. As a matter of fact, when I bought the house, I bought the hammock. This is mine. I walked around the property. I would visualize. I would give God thanks for it. I would say that it's mine now. I walked around the property with my friends and I I talked about the parties and the big things. Festive events that I would have. What was I doing? Even though I had not purchased the property, I still was living in my condo. But in my consciousness, I was living in the end that this house is mine now. Of course, I was working on the finances and they said, this is not going to go through. I didn't let that bother me too much. It did kind of mess with my head a little bit, to be honest. But every day I made plans. I began to pack up my condo. I didn't know how. You don't have to know how. What was I doing? I was living from the end. And eventually things worked out. So I assumed the feeling, the imagination, the words and the language that it's mine now i'm not waiting for it i'm not wanting it i'm not yearning for it it's mine now and the finances worked out even with all of my cars you guys have heard the story but let me remind you did not have the credit or the money to purchase my first mercedes 25 years ago and i as people do you have to have good credit to go and look at a car? Do they check your credit and they say, "Oh no, your credit score is below below 500. You can't even look at a car." So some of you are paralyzed because you're you're still trying to figure it out. And so, like I said to the person on Facebook, stop loving a car and wanting one and get it. So I would go to the dealer every Saturday. I would drive it. I would test drive it. And and I did that. I would see myself in it. You guys know I bought a Mercedes keychain. I visualized it when I was driving my Toyota Corolla. I had my light Mercedes license plate right there by me because every time I shift gears, I would touch that plate with with my hand. What was I doing? I was putting myself. I didn't know how. You don't have to know how, but I was living in the end. I was vibrating in. I having. I. I have it now. I wasn't wanting it. I told my friends, "Oh, I'm so excited! We're gonna ride in my new car, and and we're gonna get dressed up and ride around the perimeter." You know, Atlanta has a big 285. Um, uh, expressway going around the perimeter what was i doing i was living in the vibration every time i looked at the keychain every time i looked at the license plate uh, and when I went in for the finances, they sort of laughed. Ha ha. This is not going to happen. But what did I do? I kept looking. I kept believing. I kept seeing myself in the Mercedes. A lot of people say, well, I have it on my vision board. But have you actually gone and test driven that car? What are you afraid of? Put yourself in the middle of it at night. I would see myself just before I went to sleep driving my Mercedes black on black in black. And then I said jokingly and I'm black. And it's so amazing. I really wept the day that they they actually delivered the Mercedes to me. I finally got somebody to finance me. Hey, y'all, it was at a high interest rate, but I didn't care back then. And when they drove the Mercedes and parked it, the Spirit said to me, that's your faith right there in manifestation. So I'm just saying to you, begin to live in the end assume that it's already yours do what you can i'm not saying that all you should do is just sit around and meditate and do nothing nothing i took action i was trying to get finances from different people etc but when you get in the vibration of what you want money will come to you a way will be made for you because you're telling the universe i have it I have it now. It's mine. You're thanking the universe. You're thanking God. You're thanking spirit. So you live in the end. Uh, You live in the end with your feelings, with your imagination, with your language, because you're living in the consciousness of I have it now. This is so good. I'm going to listen to it myself. Over and over and over again and so I hope you understand that uh, so many people are waiting and yearning and wishing and hoping but you actually need to be the thing you need to be in the vibration of what you desire and watch it happen yay So uh, those are some of the things that I'm going to be teaching you uh, uh, at my seminar on July 17th. So you guys make sure you register. So we're going to go to these quick commercials. And then I'm going to be right back with my very special guest. So stay tuned, everybody. Do you have an upcoming event where you need a dynamic speaker? Constance Arnold is a sought-after keynote speaker that will enlighten the entire audience with proven strategies that are aligned with your organization's vision and mission. An experienced speaker for major Fortune 500 companies, Constance has entertained audiences with inspiring change. Constance would love to make your next event an extraordinary success. Contact her today at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Well, everybody, I am back, and I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, My very special guest is Dr. Patty Ashley. She's a psychotherapist, best-selling author, and international speaker. Uh, She is an authenticity architect, that sounds interesting, and she really brings her own unique insight to the identification and treatment of trauma, shame, grief, and dysfunctional family patterns. Uh, She has over 35 years and has counseled everybody, a myriad of of individuals, couples, families, groups, uh, etc. She has a new book out and we really need it during these times that's going to be released next week. As a matter of fact, Shame Informed Therapy Treatment Strategies to Overcome Core Shame and Reconstruct the Authentic Self. So we're going to be talking to all of you listeners of today about how to become the authentic architect of your own life. We know that is the will of God for you. And so we're honored to have, so Dr. Patty Ashley, welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Oh, thank you, Constance. Thanks for having me. Well, good. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about you, and then I have tons of questions. We need you right now during these times. Uh, um, well, you know, my work has evolved.
0: I've been a licensed therapist here in Colorado now for 21 years, and before that was a special educator and a parent educator and a mom and, you know, kind of just a curious being. I want to understand a lot of things, so I've spent a lot of years trying to do that. And so now I get to give back and share all the wonderful things that I've learned in my life about being authentic and what that really means. And, um, you know, what I realized is that, you know, from all my years of experience and education, um, that we tend to sometimes put on a false self, as Donald Winnicott, um, a really well-known psychiatrist called, you know, what happens when we're told to be something that really isn't necessarily our true self that we were born to be and so what I've discovered in my work in my own life is that we tend to try and fit in with what everyone else tells us to do and be and we lose track of you know who we truly are so my work is helping people dig that up and um and reconstruct this sense of self that feels more congruent and aligned with who they really are which is a lot of work and People, you know, that do this work, you know, make a commitment to themselves, and it, it isn't necessarily an easy, easy journey, but I think it's well worth it from what I've seen in my own life and my and my work with people.
1: So true. You you know, uh, Dr. Ashley, people want a quick fix, manifest now kind of uh, vibration. And uh, when I saw your book and when I read your bio, I was so glad to hear you really talk about core shame. So let's talk about what is core shame and how in the world does that impact our lives?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting because I'm writing a blog right now. Um, I'm trying to language. I I think what the title is going to be is I Should Be Ashamed of Myself for Writing a Book About Shame. (laughs) (laughs) Because the word itself, like language, all of language, you know, has various meanings to different people. And so a lot of people think of shame when you've done something really bad. You know, usually it's some sort of sexual perversion or, you know, addiction relapse or you know, you've done something really, really, really bad, but that's not the definition of shame. The definition of shame is the, as Brene Brown says, it's the uh, in- excruciating belief or feeling that we are unworthy of being love, uh, of love and belonging. So, what I've done in my work because I love Brene Brown and when she went mainstream with the word shame, every, you know, people go, whoa, you know, again, it's that word, you know, it means that I've done something bad when it, it isn't that I've done something bad. It's that I feel like at the core of my identity, my sense of self, I am bad. So the difference between shame and guilt is guilt is I did something bad and, and I need to repair um, sh- and, and shame on a, on a primary level also helps us repair, but but the core shame that I'm talking about and what I'm writing about and what we've learned from the research is that the neurobiology of that core shame looks very much like the core, the the neurobiology of trauma. So there's a, a a trauma response, which is a a fear response: fight, fl- fight, flight or flee. And so the same thing happens with shame. We either move away, move towards, move against, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But the idea that this belief that we're not good enough, and I see it in every person who comes to see me that comes to therapy, I can't love myself. I don't feel good enough. I can't do that. It's such a foreign experience. It's Again, this whole false self that, you know, many of us learn that it's not okay to love yourself. You know, that's conceited. You need to... Do things for other people. So we develop all these stories where we compensate for this core this belief that I'm not good enough. So it isn't that I've done something bad, it's that I don't have the electrical circuits in my brain and nervous system that tell me I'm I'm emotionally safe and I'm lovable. And that's because we've all been raised in these old dysfunctional patterns. And people think, Well, I grew up okay, I was shamed and spanked and i'm okay but you know the truth is there's this feeling of not enoughness and and striving like perfectionism is a defense against shame you wouldn't think that right you think oh just an achieving person or codependency which is you know over giving to people that's a defense against shame avoiding is a defense against shame hiding in isolation so those are the three ways you know, we move away, which is avoiding and isolation. We move towards, which is perfectionism and overachieving and codependency. And then there's moving against, which is when we get angry and defensive and gaslight. And so, you know, in my world these days, I see every reaction that someone has is a defense against shame and or trauma. Um, So it's a long answer to your question, but I think it's important for people to understand that the meaning of core shame isn't at all what we think a lot of times. It it, it and it, it, it's a shaming word, so I wish there was another word I could use. So I lots of times I do, I'll say our not enoughness. Oh you
1: yeah you know it's our
0: not enoughness. You feel like you're not enough and that that gets set up in our neurobiology. So sometimes I'll say that as a kinder and gentler way to to define
1: shame. So does shame establish our limiting core beliefs and what would that look like for listeners?
0: Um, well, you know, like if you, if you grow up and you're constantly told you'll never amount to anything, you know, in my workbook that's coming out, I have, um, it's called the not enough messages, which was really interesting. Cause when I was starting to write this book years ago, um, I put a post on Facebook, you know, and I said, here's some things that I've heard. You should be ashamed of yourself, you know, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. You'll never amount to anything. And so I said, to my you know, Facebook followers, I said, anybody have any other ones? And I had, like, it was inundated with things that people had been told growing up, these not enough messages. And then the thread of conversation from that was really interesting, too, because a lot of people, again, said, well, yeah, but I'm over it. You know, I turned out okay. And then other ones were like, this really makes me feel sad. You know, so we have this whole gamut of how we even react to what we want to do about the awareness of this core shame. Because, again, we, you know, some people don't want to, they, they think, oh, no, you know, that's just ridiculous because it's so nonverbal. So anything could be said. You're not going to amount to anything. You should be ashamed of yourself. Big boys don't cry. Um, all these messages that we got growing up become a part of, of our belief system, and they all they go unconscious. So we so don't even true. realize we
1: you know, I was telling someone recently in light of everything that's going on you know, as an African-American female, I was told as a child, you got to be really smarter than everybody else. you got to perform higher. And that's what I walked in. That was my belief for years. You're talking about pressure.
0: Yeah, exactly. There you go. There's a perfect example, you know, and we believe that as kids until we're seven or eight, everything that we hear is true there's no difference between fantasy and reality as you know we learned that from piaget who studied cognitive development the kids are like sponges and they absorb everything and and this is what really gets me and this is hard for people to get because you know i did parent education for a long time and i still do parent coaching And my daughter's a parent coach and we're doing work together supporting parents but you know it's hard for people to get because Adults don't think the same way as children do, and so you know we think we can joke with the kids, you know, and and it's funny. But like my ex father in law used to say, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna if you don't stop misbehaving, I'm gonna put you in the trunk. Ha ha ha! Like that was funny, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not funny (laughs) because kids believe that, and what a thought. Oh my God, what would it be if I. You know, and I have a client that I just started working with who is really hard to work with because she's a college student and she doesn't say a word in the session. She just sits there and looks at me and waits for me to kind of like dig things out. So I did. I was digging, digging, digging. And one of the things I, I said, Well, how did your parents discipline? And they think, No. You know, what kinds of things do you say? Well, you know, my dad sometimes would say, you know, if you if you keep talking to me in that tone I won't talk to you anymore. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, bingo, connect the dots. No wonder this person doesn't say a word. You know, she sits here, she she can't, she's afraid to speak because, and then the other thing that she heard, I just discovered this and again, digging in the last session, because I said to her, I said, you're so quiet. I was almost like, I had to watch myself because I was, I was feeling frustrated, right? Cause I'm like, right. Hard to work with somebody who doesn't talk to me. I didn't say that out loud, but I just said, you're so quiet. And she started crying. And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. What, you know, What's what are you feeling? And she said, when I was a kid, everybody always told me I was too quiet. Mm. So she had this double message of, you know, being shamed for having a, a, a tone or an attitude. And when she did talk, and then she was also shamed for not talking. So she just doesn't talk. You know, I mean, how do you talk to your friends, you know? And she goes, well, you know, I usually am kind of quiet, but, you know, like we might talk about things that we're watching on TV and stuff like that, but she's for the most part, extremely quiet. And those are the messages that she learned about herself growing up and we absorb them. And again, and it goes unconscious and it's hard to really... Have the courage to look at that and restructure it. You know what does that mean for her now, in terms so of
1: true. you
0: know? It's and okay so, to be quiet, right? It's okay to be quiet. It, it is could be part of her authentic self. It's just how do you then integrate into the rest of the world that's very talkative. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm in the law of attraction where metaphysical spirituality manifests now. And I say on my show all of the time, you know, until you really hear your past, you really can't create an authentic, powerful future. So what would you say to listeners about healing their past and what would that look like?
0: That's a really good question because I completely believe in the law of attraction and gratitude practice, and and this is part of the shame work, is paying attention to things that are actually going well in our lives because then the body takes that in as true. There's no time in body memory. So what happens if if all of this goes unconscious, all of our shame is unconscious because it got set up early on, that's going to override the law of attraction because it's unconscious. And that's why sometimes people say, I don't know why I have positive thought and it's not working. And it's because there's an unconscious uh, system running the show. So that's why we want to make the unconscious conscious. And this is really hard for people because they think, oh, well, that was in the past. It doesn't matter. You know, but it does matter because when you make the unconscious conscious and you bring it into the light, it doesn't have as much power over you anymore. And it also means you have to have the courage and the willingness to, because when you're going to bring it into consciousness, you're going to feel it as if it's happening now. And that's why having a therapist or a coach or a mentor, spiritual teacher or someone to guide you through the process is so important, you know, to hold you kind of as you bring it up into consciousness and then sometimes, you know, then it's like, oh, there's this core belief. Um, it's very much like cognitive therapy, only I I believe we really have to go into the somatic experience of how it's in our DNA. We can't just do it in our head from the neck up. So we have to go, well, what does it feel like in my body to feel not enough, to feel um, whatever I'm experiencing, where is it in my body? what's been, been the story that I made up about myself that I have to overachieve or I have to, or, you know, I'm just not going to talk or, you know, all the, you know, making them conscious. And then we, we, we take the law of attraction then into reconstructing and saying, well, the truth of me is, you know, I have important things to say and it's okay for me to speak. Um, and, you know, using my other client as an example, um, and I could give you lots of examples, but that's basically what I do is we, you know, Steve is, Stephen Porges, who uh, created what he calls polyvagal theory, you know, we know now about the nervous system evolving into a social engagement system and how we feel safe in the body, is we have to recognize, number one, we're having an emotional response, and then we have to respect that that's the response that we made up, you know, in order to be feel emotionally safe and that you know it worked in some ways. And then we have to um, we have to restory. I forgot one. Recognize, oh, regulate. We have to regulate. Um, so we have to come back into present time and, and 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 work a lot with mindfulness and, and practices on how to do that. And then we restory. So what do we want instead? So again bringing it to consciousness in answer to your question, why is it so important to dig up the past? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, it, 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 Bessel van der Kolk says, you know, the body keeps score and the body always wins. So the body memory is always going to override the cognitive thought until we make the body memory conscious. And then it doesn't have as much power, but it, but it's also then repetition over and over and over and over and over. And this is where people get stuck because they don't want to deal with that. They just want to the bullet points, give me the answers, and fix this. And so it's like if you do the math, this is what I do with my clients. Let's do the math. About average, how many times a day do you have a negative thought about yourself? Let's say 20. 20, maybe 20 average, 20 times a day, I think, oh, I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? This sort of thing. Times that by 365, and that's how many times a year you do that, and then times that by however many years you remember your first negative thought and or even your whole life because most of us get it when we're early, you know, one or two years old. So then we're up to hundreds of thousands of times we've done negative thinking, so I encourage people. Well, then let's—that's your goal. That's you know, you might not have to do it that many times, but let's restore. I am enough. Over and over and over and over, it. and you fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah, you know that's so great. And as you were sharing, I thought of my own life, and I didn't know that I my thinking and my core belief was who I am is not enough. But I looked at my choices. And I'm like, something's not right here. You know, so so for listeners, once they begin to make the unconscious conscious, will they automatically begin to reconstruct or kind of dig out their authentic self? What would that look like?
0: Yeah, it's an amazing process when people are willing to embark on it. Um <laughs> Because what happens typically is we work with what's the old story, what's the unconscious story. And then, you know, in my early childhood background, I always learned that for everything we don't want, you look for what it is we do want. And so that's how I came up with Authenticity Architects, because I think our false self and our shame self we don't want. And it's easy to talk about, well, I don't want to feel this, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want to repeat this story. But we don't give language to what it is we do want. And that's why I came up with, well, we want to be authentic. We want to be our true self. So what does that look like in positive terms? So we get the new story, and then we work with that, like an affirmation like we would do in cognitive therapy. Only I suggest people work with the new story, such as, you know, the example I was using is, um, you know, I have important things to say, and it's okay for me to speak. My truth, or whatever the new story is, it doesn't feel right. That's the thing. People go, oh, I don't know, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and they feel like they're lying to themselves, but then you know you have to work with. But it feels like a lie because this old unconscious belief is running the show. So we want to change the the neural connections and give them this feeling of, I am enough, I'm good enough. It's okay to to speak my truth, whatever the new story is. And then they repeat it not only in their heads, but I I like to find out what my clients are interested in. Do they like to, are they athletic? Do they like to be, are they creative? Do they do art? Do they like to write? You know, and I want to get them into some of the sensory experience of it so the body then feels, because we're talking about shame gets set up in the sensory right brain, which is all about feeling, whereas the left brain is all about thinking, which is why we can't change it just in our thoughts. Because that's just the story we made up about the feeling, the sensory body memory feeling. So if I can take in I am enough into my jog and I tell myself I am enough, I am enough, I am enough, we're starting to give that body that message. Or, you know, the law of attraction practices are great as well, and gratitude practices. Find things that you in, that are feeling good to you, and then it gives the body a message of I am enough. Anytime we're in play and humor and joy we're re we're actually rewiring the brain but it's hard because we don't understand why we just revert back to the old stuff so when we make it conscious it's kind of like i say it's like teaching a puppy to sit you know how when you have a new puppy and it's always jumping up on you all the time and you're going sit down 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 the shame, the core shame is just like that. And so we have to train the puppy to sit. We have to know it's there. We have to love it because it's a part of who we are. We just have to tame it a little bit, like down. Now, I'm going to tell myself this other message today, that I am enough. And you're going to sit down over here right now. <laughs> you know? That's good. good. So-
1: yeah, those are the kinds of tricks that you know I use or suggest people do. <laughs> so, so what would you say to people that saying, "Okay, Dr. Ashley and Constance, all of that sounds good, but I don't want to be in therapy for years. I'm ready to manifest my dream life." What I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times. What do you say to people about going through the process of healing?
0: Yeah, um, I say it's up to you.
1: Mm-hmm. You get. To- You know, everyone gets to
0: choose. Um, I say, you know, what I've learned in my own personal and professional life, that this is the sustainable way to get the joy in, in our life that we really want. And we live in a quick fix world. And, you know, I mean, you can find moment to moment gratitude and joy even when you're excavating your shame and trauma. And that's the other part is people don't understand that it, we have to embrace paradox because we also live in this world of, you know, it's this or that. It's good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's, you know, right or left. And that's not true. It, you know, I think the hard part, the hardest part for many people is to realize that I can be doing therapy and feeling some of the old feelings and also be, have joy in my life at the same time. It's hard for people to get. I get that. Um, because they think it's one or the other. And that, you know, like in Cahill Gibran's poem, Joy and Sorrow, he says people say what's greater, and he says neither. They're both two sides of the same coin. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really holding people through the process. And, you know, I tell you, my clients get better fast once they, you know, um, once they embrace that, like, oh. OK, you know, they may they know that they're still going to be working with their shame spiral stories, I say forever, probably lifetimes. But you learn how to tame them and you learn how to manage them and you learn how to love them as part of who you are. And it's like such a relief. It demystifies this unconscious feeling that we haven't really languaged well before.
1: So true. So I want to shift a little bit what what can you say to people who right now might be going through a lot of grief and fear and shame around what's happening you know with covid-19 maybe they lost their job and they're in, they had to go to a food pantry for the first time or you know they might feel shame that they didn't save enough money or whatever what can you share with the listeners around dealing with what's happening now
0: Oh, my gosh, that is such a good question because my experience has been many people are in what's like a, a PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder response, mm-hmm. because of all the old body memories. Any unresolved grief, any, any unacknowledged shame comes up when I said earlier the body has no time, so it's up, like it's happening, and people, again, it's unconscious. So it creates these additional layers and levels of the feelings just around the pandemic itself is horrible and awful and has affected so many of us in so many different ways. So it's a great question. Grief and shame is up. And so it's really, again, it's really back to, okay, you know, like Porges says, every reaction is an action in this, in the sake of safety and survival, so when we realize that we're feeling threatened emotionally and even physically, you know, if we're losing income and um, maybe unfortunately those who have had have been sick with the COVID, um, you know, we don't feel so. We go into a trauma response and we we feel really scared and then we want to react in certain ways. So I always suggest coming back into present moment and when the whole thing started the thing I was using with my clients and sharing with people is the fantastic five, which is uh, find five things. It's kind of like a, um, a law of attraction, gratitude practice in a way because it gets the body back in the present moment. You find five things right now that are feeling good and comfortable, like the chair you're sitting in your pet, the soup in this, on the stove, the bird singing, Find five things and then you feel the safety in that present moment because you got to bring yourself back in the present moment and you go from moment to moment through all of this. And again, if you're fortunate to be working with a therapist or someone who can help you integrate the paradox of both and, that this is, you know, everyone's saying this is a really trying time, but then you're also hearing the flip side Wow, people are really learning things and you know things are really changing and maybe we're learning some things about, you know, respecting each other and the planet, you know? So I think there are some good things happening as well with the devastation of it all. And I think again that goes back to embracing paradox. So that's what I recommend is people come into the present moment, find five things that are happening that are safe and comfortable right now to get the body into feeling body safety and then to embrace the paradox of both and, and just do one day at a time. And I, you know, I've learned in my life, I think this is what happens when we get to the, the, the the time in our life where we've been around on the planet for a while, we realize that things always work out. Right. Yeah. And And I think that's important to tell people now too.
1: And I had a client, she was only twenty, but she knew that. She said, Miss Constance, I don't know how, but things always work out for me. And I said, Child, you have a old soul. Who taught you that at twenty three? But you know, just living in that belief is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. The spiritual path. So what would you say about spirituality and and healing, and moving uh, in, uh, and moving and living in our, our authentic self. Because a lot of people say, "Well, I go to church." I've had people say, "Well, you know, I believe in God." I'm like, "But you still have unresolved stuff in your soul,ish man." So, what would you say to someone who's spiritual? You know, they pray, they meditate, they believe God, but they still have a lot of unresolved stuff and a lot of shame.
0: Well, I think the difference between spirituality and religion are really important here because um, religions were created based on spiritual beliefs, but they're, like many things on the planet, ended up evolving into external power and control. You know, you better do this or you're going to go to heaven, and you better, you know, tithe the church, and you better do this, and you better do that or else. You know, fear. Spirituality, I I believe, and, you know, I... (laughs) I, my, my dad died when I was 11 and I was Catholic and I was told he went to heaven and I should be happy and nobody talked about it anymore after that. That's why when I, you know, was 30 and I started my own therapy, I knew even earlier that I wanted to be a therapist and talk to people about these things that seem odd that nobody wants to talk about. But, you know, this whole idea of what religions tell us to be true is an external. And so we're looking, when you're talking earlier about looking for the quick fix, Sometimes we want to go to church and have the pastor or whomever tell, give us the ABCs and the one two threes, and then we don't necessarily feel like we have to do the inner work because the inner work—that's where it's spiritual. That's where we go into the dark night of the soul and the hero's journey, like Joseph Campbell talked about. That's when we face our demons. That's when we really look at ourselves, and that's what I, is often to the architecture. It is very spiritual, but I don't, I don't. I don't say the word spiritual, but it is, because it's really about, I think, our authentic self is the essence of who we are, that we came into this body to be from this infinite source of God, love, whatever. You know, again, I I don't think they're, back to the word shame and the language, I don't think we can language. That's the one thing I learned in my spiritual search is we don't have language for what God is or what this bigger purpose meaning is, I do know that it, it, it exists, whatever it is. I, it's a mystery, though, in terms of how I can language it. That was my result of all my years of searching after my dad died, and I thought, well, why can't I go to heaven? Why can't I be with him? I can't kill myself, because in the Catholic Church, you suicide, you go to hell, so I won't see him there. So <laughs> I kept thinking, where is he? And why can't I go? And who is this God? And I, so my life has been a huge spiritual quest and And I appreciate you asking that question because i'm a you know a licensed professional counselor, and I speak to people from a you know biological basis and psychology and you know what we know about that and underneath it though for me, it's all about our authentic self is connecting to the divine essence of who we are um so it's all spiritual, but it's internal and it's harder because it doesn't necessarily have the external rules we may have to challenge like I work with a couple people who were raised Mormon and they're you know really the women who are challenging you know I want to have an identity I want to have a sense of self and I grew up believing that I was supposed to get married and have babies and I want to challenge that yay that takes a lot of courage right
1: yeah, it does it does so, so, so let me ask you this so Are you saying that if if people dig in and get the help that they need and deal with their shame and even other past traumas, et cetera, that they can begin to become the architect, the authentic architect of their own lives? Correct. Absolutely. That's That's good. That's good news. It is good news. It is
0: very good news, but we have to give ourselves permission because these old beliefs are like, oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, my family will cut me off. Somebody will be mad at me. You know, <laughs> well, give yourself permission. As long as whatever you choose to do is kind and respectful and feels aligned with who you are. You might
1: piss some people off, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. just do it with kindness and respect. <laughs> what else would you like to share around shame? Does anything come to your mind right now and about healing?
0: I've asked some great questions, and I really appreciate that.
1: Um,
0: I think it's worth it. I think it really is a journey um, that's uh, just like this pandemic. It's something we've never been through before. And I think that's the thing I say to people. You know, when we write the new story, the reason it's so hard is it's a brand new story. It's never been written before we've never lived in a world like this before where we're global, we have education, we have technology, we have electricity, we have, you know, airplanes, we have we're so much more connected and evolved in terms of what we know about ourselves, but our social emotional self has a long way to go. So, giving ourselves permission to really excavate what that means and what that looks like requires the courage to say yes to myself and it's worth it. I really do believe it's worth it.
1: So I want you to give us an example of your own personal life, Dr. Ashley, where you really uncovered um, shame in your own life and then you, uh, you know, did the reconstruct and now you're living from a more authentic place. Yeah. Which one? (laughs) Which, Which one?
0: I, you know, I guess the most, easiest to describe would be when I divorced, mm-hmm. um, because I was um, raised Catholic, and you just don't do that. And, um, um, you know, it was when I started my work on my unresolved grief of having lost my father when I was 30. Uh, I realized, whoa, you know, I'm living somebody else's life. I'm staying married to a narcissist, abusive person that doesn't really feel like my best friend or partner because the catholic church and my family told me to. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. Yeah. That was really 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 hard and and a lot of years of custody battles and and shame just shame ran, ran the show of my life for a lot of years. Um and so my youngest now is 32 and my oldest is going to be 40. I have four children and um good catholic girl, right? Um <laughs> and I have three grandchildren, and they're all amazing human beings, and, you know, I have a lot of shame about, you know, parenting in a non traditional, you know, not, I wanted, you know, in my mind, of course, we all want the, you know, picket fence and the family and the, you know, happily ever after, and so when you realize that that isn't going to happen, there's a lot of shame in that, and so, yeah, I've been a lot of dark nights of the soul. Um, and yet, you know, it, I gave myself permission to follow what I knew, you
1: know, I needed to do. Right. I love that. So tell our listeners, this is just, I love this because it's inside out work. Um, tell our listeners about your website, your new upcoming book release. How can they contact you? Are you taking new clients, et cetera?
0: Yeah, thank you. So, my website is pattyashley.com, and my name is Salt with an I, so P A T T I A S H L E Y, and it has just about everything on it lots of links. I do a lot of things. I do do individual coaching. I do my Authenticity Architects coaching online, um, over the phone, online for people who don't live. I'm in Boulder, Colorado right now. Um, And so, you can sign up for that on my website. I also created some courses during this pandemic. Because I felt like when we went into quarantine, we were really, it was an invitation in my mind to go in, not out. Um, And so that's the course I created, go in, not out. And I just um, have videos and PowerPoints and meditations in that course, and it is free. So you can go to my website and you can click that link and sign up for that. And then my daughter and I did a course called Moms in Real Life. And she's one that's turning 40, and she's a school psychologist. And so it's really sweet to work with her and have her do some more modern-day coaching for parents that are, you know, dealing with kids in this pandemic today. So that's on there. And then I'm working on a course on grief, which is taking a little bit longer. (laughs) Um, And hopefully that will be out in July or August. And so all of those links are there. And then my books, the links to my books are all there. I have three The one that's coming out next week is really for mental health um, professionals, but, you know, it has worksheets that anyone could benefit from. It's called Shame-Informed Therapy, uh, Treatment Strategies to Overcome Core Shame and Reconstruct the Authentic Self. And then the book that I wrote last year was a memoir of grief because I lost my partner the same way I lost my father when I was a kid Mm. years ago. And so I wrote a memoir about that so people hopefully could connect to grief and grace. Um, and then the book before that was on, uh, mom's not feeling good enough. My doctoral dissertation is called living in the shadow of the two good mother archetype. So, like I said, I do a lot of things, all that's on my website. I try and make it as easy to navigate as it can be with all of the different things. But yes, I am still taking you. Um,
1: it is easy to navigate. I've been on it. And, uh, I want to, uh, I want to publicly thank you for all of your work Um, and for all of the years and the time and the effort that you put into your books. I read your book, and I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of detail (laughs) and a lot of work. So I commend you for that, and thank you so much for, for being a guest on my show today.
0: Oh, thank you for having me, Constance.
1: You're so welcome. Everybody, make sure you visit my website, fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And as I say every week, you may not know it or even feel it, but you are surrounded by a loving, giving, supporting spirit. And I want you to think, feel, and say that something good is going to happen to me and through me this week for others, everybody. Make it a great week. Thank you for
0: listening to Think, Believe, and Manifest. Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com.